0: Hello and welcome to TP with TP, the podcast with Tom Polos. Here, we chronicle the absurd world of entertainment and interview movers and shakers in the industry, all the while taking some blame. Today, we might have ruined your wedding. Some people have asked, how did you become the spokesman for a company? Who picked you to become the face of a brand? What makes your personality right for these gigs? Well... I'm friendly and conversational to begin with, but if I'm being honest, a lot of it is me benefiting from market research and audience testing. I've read through charts and blistering comments from strangers, all of which indicate how I perform among certain demographics. I do shockingly well with young people and older women. But I've seen the bad too. Some people think my teeth are too white and I talk too fast. As long as you have a sense of humor, I highly recommend reading what complete strangers think about you. It's like being graded by a teacher you've never met who saw you on campus once in a certain light when you had no clue you were being graded. But speaking of campus, I did sort of train to be a spokesperson. While I studied the arts in college, I also have a tie to division one athletics. No, not as a player. I look more like a pole than a pole vaulter, but I was the basketball mascot for the USC Trojans, a school that sends people to the NBA, NFL, the Olympics, and more. I even got to meet some of my childhood heroes, all while wearing a big mask. You see, the USC mascot that roams the sidelines is a Trojan. And Tommy Trojan, as he goes by, has quite the look. Being the mascot for basketball means your human head goes inside another larger fake head. Atop that head, there's an expensive looking legionnaire helmet adorned with a crest holder and red plumes. In addition to that giant noggin, there's a muscle suit. Once you wiggle into that, you throw on an oversized cardinal and gold shirt, a leather gladiator kilt, strappy sandals, and brilliant wrist cuffs, and become a walking sauna. Being a mascot, in a backwards way, was training for being a spokesperson. I had to be professional under an array of stressful circumstances. I had choreography to learn. I had on-camera appearances. You presented the two-finger fight-on salute to all you encountered. Home fans wanted pictures and autographs. And away fans booed you and physically poked you and prodded you as you walked by. All of this was done in a heavy suit and while lacking any peripheral vision which the giant fake head had stolen from you. The other perks were great too. You get to know cool alumni, interact with generous donors, the USC song girls, and travel with the team. I went to March Madness in the Sweet 16 and flew on private planes. All of these experiences prepared me for one day being the calm, cool, collected face for companies and brands. Nothing could prepare me for one experience, however. Now, when you're the mascot, you're not just a mascot on game day. Every so often you'll be booked for an external event or fundraiser. It's usually on or around campus since you know the mascot is a student after all. One day I received word that Tommy Trojan was needed for a special occasion. A former USC football player was marrying a former UCLA basketball player. And the soon-to-be husband and wife had requested both mascots be in attendance at the reception as a surprise reveal for their guests. The UCLA and USC bands were to play their university fight songs and Josie Bruin would come out and Tommy Trojan would enter and the mascots would present the newlyweds with a sewn-together jersey where both schools would be represented as the couple formed a new marital bond. Beyond the shelf is concern of I have no car, it's Los Angeles, how do I get there? I was game to help. I mean... What an honor. Someone's wedding. A day they've planned for years and will remember for the rest of their lives. People spend small fortunes and sleepless nights making that day perfect. And if they want Tommy Trojan to be a part of it, fantastic. Arrangements were made. I was prepared. I knew when and where I was supposed to be. I practiced the jersey handoff. The two-finger fight-on salute was readied for the fans. I did as instructed and stayed hidden in the secluded areas near the ballroom as we waited for our cues. Josie Bruin, a short female Himalayan bear, was in a different area than Tommy Trojan. She entered as the UCLA fight song played. You could hear the UCLA girls go wild as the ladies' basketball team got hyped for their mighty Bruins. My turn was coming. Finally, the spirit of Troy marching band started blaring their jing tinglers and tromtukas. I can hear the USC crowd going bananas. I enter, throwing up the fight on two-fingered salute as the song Fight On plays. It's glorious. The groom is enormous. He was a football player after all. On my way to him, his friends, also massive football players, stop me and dap me up, slap me high fives. As I approach the groom with his custom jersey, he's patting his pecs and bending his knees, clearly inviting a chest bump. This was not in the script, but this is his wedding and he's ready. He pats his pecs again and again, wooing, throws his two-finger salute up. He's leaning and posturing and saying, let's go, let's go. He jumps, I jump. We're flying, our arms spread wide and our sternums epically connect. It's glorious, I land, the room is spinning. What a moment, the crowd is screaming. But wait, not good screams not moments of joy. What? What's happened? It turns out that while mid-air, chest bumping our long and strong fingers had poked the bride right in her eye, how could I have known? There's no peripheral vision in that mask. I could only see the groom. How was I to know a groom is usually near a bride? How could we mid-air have been the same height as the bride? Then I recalled that she played basketball and was in heels, so she was mighty tall. And now I was mighty sick. It only got worse as her WNBA friends who were in attendance saw what happened and began chasing me around the ballroom. The USC football players came to their mascot's defense and began blocking, as Rose Bowl and national champions do. I quickly made it to the hallway as event planners with clipboards and earpieces rushed past me to the room where it happened. A group of seemingly more intoxicated WNBA players had made their way to the hall, and a Benny Hill-style chase began. Former football players, basketball players, and an undergraduate student in strappy sandals and gladiator kilt were running from room to room. I even stopped at one point to try to reason with these Amazons, but with my mask on, you couldn't hear me speak. Me simply trying to gesture that I was sorry looked more like I was mocking these Wonder Woman with fake tears. It was only getting worse. I finally made it back to the area where I had been secluded and took off my mask. I got back in my street clothes and had my gear in a large but innocuous black duffel bag. A flurry of pastel-colored dresses then asked me if I had seen a Trojan walking by. I said I hadn't, which was technically true because it was me and I hadn't seen me walking by. The only thing wise than being smart is playing dumb. And that's the truest advice one can give you in Hollywood. As a spokesperson, you have to be positive and spirited while remaining calm, cool, and collected. You have to be ready for anything. You have to know the audience inside and out. And you have to be ready to know nothing. Even when your prized demographic of young people and older women turn on you at a wedding. In short, your life is your market research. That's a wrap for this week's TP with TP. See you at the after party.